When it comes down to it, most of life is about our relationships and our shared sense of community. Of course, that applies to our family, our friends, and our neighbors, but also to the people who are homeless and struggling with addictions. This may surprise you, but the simple solutions of handouts, bailouts, and housing don't create lasting change. Building relationships, living in community, and knowing Jesus are what truly change lives. Jonathan Anderson, the Executive Director of the Good News Rescue Mission here in Redding, California, has decades of experience creating the deeper relationships and true community that help solve homelessness and addiction problems. Now here's Jonathan Anderson with Justin Wandro. Hello, welcome to today's podcast. I'm Justin Wandro, and as always, here with me is Jonathan Anderson, the Executive Director of the Good News Rescue Mission. Good morning. I am the Director of Development at the Good News Rescue Mission, and today we wanted to talk a little bit about our New Life Recovery Program. And I think the New Life Recovery Program at the Good News Rescue Mission is so important, and one of the things that I personally love to be involved in and connected with because we get to see some amazing, amazing life transformation. So thank you for joining us today on the podcast, and I think you're going to find some of the stories and the things that we talk about really encouraging and hope-filled for our community and for the people in our community. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Um, Jonathan, for those who don't know what the New Life Recovery Program is at the Good News Rescue Mission, can you give us just to start off with a brief introduction to what it is? So the briefest uh, introduction would be <clears throat> our program is uh, for anybody who is battling addiction um, and predominantly people who are battling uh, addiction that might be substance abuse, um, it might be alcohol, um, of something of, of that nature. And so uh, we run an 18-month residential program. Uh, people will generally stay about 13 months on site, live in, in our facilities, and then they spend the next five months of their program off site uh, while they're learning how to transition back into society using a lot of the skills that they've learned from the recovery program. So in the briefest sense, 18-month residential treatment facility um, for people battling predominantly uh, drug and alcohol abuse. Uh, 18 months is, is a long time. What is the, the purpose behind having it being that long of a program? Yeah, it's a, it's a really long time. Um, however, you know, in, in, in retrospect, uh, that's one of the things we hear a lot of people say coming in. Oh, I don't know if I can commit to 18 months. Well, hey, listen, you've been battling an addiction for 20 years. What's 18 months, mm, right? And yeah. so uh, we have just, you know, we've partnered with a lot of our sister organizations, and we have found um, through uh, a lot of our other organizations that run programs that the 18 months seems to be um, the length of time that really establishes a solid foundation to reduce the, I'll say, uh, I don't want to say recidivism, that's not the right word, but reduce the effects of somebody relapsing and having to come back into programs. So, you know, there's some programs that might offer three months, six months, um, and that works for some people. Um, but for a general overall population, the longer length of time you do, uh, the the better success you have at people not relapsing later in life. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, the, the habits and um, just our ways tend yeah. to take time to change. Yeah, 
Yeah, a lot of time. You know, uh, what we what, uh, you know, when I was the academic director is fascinating because, you know, I could generally tell people when they came in at what age they began using drugs uh, based off of kind of their maturity level, but also their academic proficiency. Hmm. And uh, and they were always surprised. Man, how, can, how did you know that? Well, that's because your learning level is, you know, at about a, you know, middle school to early high school level right now. And, the, and they were just blown away. And so, uh, you know, what, what we found is, and what I've observed personally is people coming into our program, um, they start going through a detox and their brain really isn't out of that fog until about six months into the program. Mm. And, and once they hit that six-month point, now they are starting to really sink, letting the curriculum and everything sink in, and they're, they're actually learning from the six-month point on. And so it, 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 it can be long, but very effective. Yeah, yeah. Now, now this program is free. For anybody who wants to come into it, is that right? It is a hundred percent free. Um, we are a little unique in that. Most um, of your drug and alcohol recovery programs um, throughout the nation really uh, charge for people to come in and go through that. So it is free for anybody who wants to come in through our program, and that's because uh, we rely on the donations from our community to help support that. Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Because if you are uh, stuck in an addiction, if you are struggling, oftentimes you're you're not going to have money, yeah. right? We know what your money's going to, and how how do you afford a program that can help you overcome that addiction when you're in the midst of it? And so I think that's a, a great, really important thing um, that the New Life Recovery Program has at the yeah. mission. Now, you were talking a little bit about six months and, and time. What is the, the process or the, the curriculum that you mentioned that people go through during that 12-, 18-month period? Great question. We, uh, when somebody is in the full program, we, we really try to focus on three different avenues uh, while somebody's in the program. So one is going to be the spiritual side. Uh, one's going to be the physical side. Of, uh, as in the physical detoxing, um, the physical tools you need uh, when you are overcoming the addiction. And then the other is going to be the uh, psychological side. All three of those play a huge role in, in combating, overcoming uh, an addiction. And so uh, we obviously have a lot of our curriculum is going to be uh, based around, uh, you know, the heart and the soul first and foremost for us. And, and so uh, a lot of it is uh, Bible-based um, curriculum that we use. One of the major curriculums we use that incorporates all three of those avenues, it's called the Genesis Program. And that's something a lot of our sister organizations use in their programs as well. It's fantastic. At the root, uh, the Genesis Program is helping people identify you know, the very first times they started using drugs or alcohol um, and what were the events surrounding them during that time? Mm. What was the context? Yeah. Where were they experiencing or enduring trauma? You know, was it in their life? Was it around their life? Um, what are all those things? And so it's very, very, very difficult for everybody going through our program to revisit this. And they dig deep into their past deep into their soul, things they have locked away for many years, um, and we revisit that. 
And through the process that, you know, that 18 months that you're doing, uh, we identify a lot of those triggers, a lot of those events. Sometimes it was uh, somebody who was doing things to you. Um, And we have to get to a point where spiritually we can forgive those people, we can forgive those circumstances, those instances, because we find that unforgiveness is a huge, huge barrier. Um, and so we were able to forgive, forgive that. And as we do that, people begin to experience freedom. It's like these chains of bondage are being broken off of them. And so that's on that spiritual side. And, and they're learning how to overcome past abuse in this history of that. Now we bring it into that physical side. And more on that physical side, we're looking at anger management classes, right? We're looking at um, uh, these our bondage breaker classes, all of these things that help us in those physical aspects. And then we're going to bring it then into the psychological as well. And so some of our people uh, need to have professional counseling to help overcome some of these um, these triggers and these abuses that they have endured. And uh, and so our, our curriculum is fairly robust. It, it starts every morning with Bible study, um, and it ends every day with around a meal and people closing out uh, sometimes with the Bible study as well. And um, and everything in between that is uh, it, it is both hands-on learning um, and then it's a book learning and just experiencing life with others going through the same thing. Yeah, and when I talk to our students, they 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 will tell you that it is. Um, there's nothing where they're sitting down and just, you know, doing nothing. Yeah. That they're very busy. Yeah. That is actually a rigorous program where they are. They're doing the Bible studies. They're doing counseling. They're doing mentoring. They're uh, giving back by volunteering throughout the mission, yep. given responsibility, uh, and that there's there's really not a whole lot of just downtime where they're doing nothing. Yeah. Obviously, relaxation comes in and, and having um, – recreation time, but that they're, they're busy, that they're doing stuff and they're staying active. And, and do you think that that's an important component? Huge, huge. Uh, idle time is, is not good. And anybody going through recovery will tell you, please don't give me idle time. <laughs> I, will, I will get myself in trouble. Yeah. And so we, we do, we intentionally fill up schedules and uh, that's a very intentional part of the program. And so, you know, from 5.30, 6 a.m. all the way till 6 p.m., there's really no idle time. And so uh, our, our students, they're going, if they're not in a class, then they were, they're somewhere on the campus volunteering and doing some form of a job duty. And that's an intentional part of the program as well. Many of the people going to, through our programs don't, they don't have phenomenal work ethic, right? And, uh, and some of them don't even have a lot of great social skills. And so if you go through an 18-month recovery program and then you try to be employed and you tell them, oh, for the last 18 months I was in a recovery program, well, you're, you're not likely going to get hired. But if in this 18 months we can fill up your entire resume experience with all of these life skills and job training and even getting certificates and food handler uh, certificates, food and handling safety, like all of this, if we can do that, when you go to a job interview, well, what did you do for the last 18 months? Well, here's here's everything that I've done. Mm-hmm. I've learned hospitality trades. I've learned front office, back office. Like I've mastered these things. Well, now you're highly employable. Not only that, but you have a phenomenal testimony of strength and will and character. The We try to build into people the characteristics that employers look for. 
It's not just, hey, I've, I've got book smarts. No, no. You've overcome the toughest things in your life. You've learned that, hey, I wake up every morning at 530. I start my day in prayer and I get right into my job. And I'm not done until 6 p.m. And I don't complain about it. I love it. Right. Even through the through all of the chaos and everything that happens in community living. I love it. There's nothing to complain about. I mean, these are the things that employers love and they look for. So we're, we're not just helping someone break out of an addiction. We're helping them to be highly employable at the end as well. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a relapse prevention tool. And, and, you know, with that, we built our entire academic and job readiness center. So you're not just going through, you know, the, the entire recovery program. You're going through the academic readiness, the job readiness, the college readiness. You're going through professional uh, interviewing classes. You're going through resume building classes, all of these things. I mean, it's, it's fairly robust if you are willing to apply yourself to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I, I'm, I'm reminded there of uh, one of our friends who graduated from the program a while ago, Adam Schwartz. And we've, we've done a video. He's told his story many, many times because it's such a powerful story. But uh, there's one point where he talks about he, um, he, he graduated from program and he was working doing dishwashing in the back of a restaurant. And he was hot and hard and he's working and – and he, he says that he remembers thinking to himself, why am I doing this? Like, I'm, I'm making minimum wage. I'm working my butt off. And why am I doing this? My previous life, I was actually doing really well. Like, I was successful. I had, I had the car I wanted. I had a nice house. I had all this stuff. Why am I doing this? And, and he felt that guy was telling him, because there's something better. Like, this is just a step to the next thing. And that you, you, you're learning something through this process. Of going through, and and I think that the going through the recovery program and learning those habits and being able to yep. to push through difficult things, many and many times very very difficult yep, things, very difficult. it builds something a, a character in you that many people don't have. Yeah, there's a level of character there that says I can push through some of the most extreme hardest things that people have to deal with. And I did it, and and now I'm ready to apply that to the rest of my life. And whether that's you know on a job site, or whether it's with family, or or friends, and relationships, or helping the community, whatever it's going to be, they now have this ability and knowledge when they look back and see I can overcome yep. tremendous obstacles in my life. It's incredible. You know, great point because when when we were when I was teaching the the job interview classes and so many people just be like, well, how, you know, how, what do I, what do I say about, I might have a felony. I might have this or this. And, and I tell them you have to embrace that. Like you don't, you don't hide that. You embrace that. And you tell an employer like, Hey, this is, this is what my past was. But let me tell you everything that I've just gone through and where God has brought me today. And when you do that, people will see a strength and a resilience. They will see into your character. And that is what employers want. They can teach skills. They can teach you how to do something. They can't teach you heart. You can only, you can only grow in that heart and in that through experience. And that is what you have. Adam Schwartz is a great example of that, you know. It's phenomenal. We have so many students that have that have done this, and and honestly, we have an incredibly high rate of employers choosing our students at the end of a program because they they see it too. They recognize it. Hey, I want this person. They're going to be dependable. I mean, if you could if you can do eighteen months of one of the hardest things you ever do in your life, yeah, I'm, 
I'll hire you. Yeah. Even if you don't have the skill, I yeah. will teach you the skill. Yeah. You have the heart and character that I'm looking for. Yeah. Great. So let's go back to the the, the program, and um, I believe there's there's kind of five phases. Yes. To the program. The very beginning part is actually when somebody applies for the program, they go into this observation phase, and so they're going to spend about a week, two weeks. Um, where they're actually living in our homeless shelter and our staff are observing them. And and it's, hey, if you want to be in this program, you need to volunteer every day. Show up, suit up, let us let us see that you really want this. You know, I mean, it's it's limited space. We can, you know, accommodate in the men's program about 40 people at a time and the women's, uh, you know, we accommodate 15, 20 women at a time. And we we're going to have over three, four hundred applications a year. And so you really have to want this. So people will observe them for about two weeks. And, hey, if you can pass that observation phase, we'll we'll bring you into our pre-program, and you're going to spend the next month, uh, actually 45 days in what we'll call blackout. You can't have contact with anybody outside of the group of people that you are rooming with. You know, <laughs> that that's it. Like, it is hardcore. If your mom calls, sorry, she can't talk to you for 45 days, you know, because so many people are codependent and they've yeah. learned how to live and manipulate within codependent relationships. So, hey, we got to break you out of this. Yeah, that's that's one of the toughest, toughest points uh, that people have. And so you make it past that 45 days and and now you're into the beginning phase of the program. And, and we're starting out with a lot of those entry-level Bible classes and uh, deep, diving deep into your spiritual life and your spiritual health. Um, we're preparing you to get into that next portion where you get six months, seven months, eight months in, and that is when you're ready to do the deep soul searching and you're ready to hit those hard, hard points. And um, that's where the counselors are. I mean, they're they're prepared, they're ready for it, and... Um, and they're warning you, and they're saying, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get very real here. Um, if if you if you are contemplating leaving, this is the point that you're gonna contemplate leaving because it, it is. Um, I I uh, I would I would express uh, or I, I'll give an analogy. The full process. Um, someone once told me this analogy, and it fits so well. Which is when you agree to go into this program. Uh, you have to imagine that you are agreeing to go into an operating room and you're agreeing to lay on that operating table and you're about to have full open heart surgery. However, there is no anesthetic, that you have no painkiller for it, but you realize that God is the surgeon. And so mm. it is going to hurt like hell going through this process. I mean, you experience, you dig up hellish, situations from your past you have to have a brand new heart transplanted into you so we got to get that old heart out you're you're going through that you get to the middle way of this program and you have to make a choice is it too painful do i get up and walk out of this with this gaping hole in my chest where for the rest of life infections and everything else is going to come in or do i bear through the pain and allow God to put a new heart in and sew me up. And um, and if you leave early, it's it's tough. Like your heart, you just experienced a taste of freedom, but now your heart is so open and vulnerable um, from there on. And so that's that is what our that 
gosh, that's that's the nature of what people are dealing with. I mean, if you could imagine having full open heart surgery with no anesthetic, yeah, you can see why that 18 months is hard. It's very, very difficult. But yeah. at the end, you have a brand new heart, and it was God who molded and fashioned that heart and put it in you. Yeah, that's incredible. And, and that's why I love, again, being involved and being able to, to talk about and and. Part of what I do is I get to tell people's stories, and I get to tell the stories of so many people who come through the program, mm. and I get to see little glimpses. I'm not working myself every day with people, but I get to see glimpses of them as they come into program, and they're one person, and as they progress and get towards the end of program and graduate, they're a completely different person, and their, their hearts change. And it's almost they, they soften and they become someone who um, l- really looks at others and, and understands what yeah. it means to have deep pain but to overcome it. Yeah. And they understand when they see others going through it. And we see so many students who graduate and then they, they want to come back and they volunteer, they mentor, they um, help others going through the process because they, they know they've been there. Yeah. And, it, and it's something that only if you've been there can you really fully understand what it's like. Yeah. Uh, Richard Foster, in, in his book, Celebration of Disciplines, he talks about the, the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude and in, entering into silence and solitude. And he said the, the outcome is whenever you, whenever a person has intentionally gone through a period of intentional solitude, they always emerge with a greater sensitivity and compassion for humanity. And that is, that is an exact parallel to what people experience when they come out of this recovery program. They merge with that greater sensitivity and compassion for humanity as a whole. And I, and I think, uh, you know, all of our staff, all of us do as well. The same thing. I mean, you know, people who have experienced a tremendous amount of forgiveness and grace are more likely to extend a tremendous amount of forgiveness and grace. And, um, and, and we love that. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. So as people are going through the program, they, um, they're dealing with their deep root issues and they're really, they're, they're becoming the new person. What, what is the towards the end or the last half kind of of program look like for them? So once somebody has reached, um, you know, about that nine month uh, period or Actually, sorry. The, about the yeah nine month, they are they're wrapping up. They're they're getting ready to uh, go into the workforce. About eleven months in, we want you to start a job somewhere. And so, people are transitioning. Uh, hey, I've I've just been about nine months working on my inner healing. Um, now let's start working on that exterior healing. And so, uh, we're building those job skills, those job training, that character development. And once somebody hits that 11-month period, it's okay, now let's let's go out into society, which you have not been in for 11 months. Hmm. Let's start integrating back into society. Let's uh, see what type of job uh, we can secure. And then we're going to guide you through that job and help you be successful. And if that's a career um, that you're looking at, how do we then climb the corporate ladder each rung at a time? And so uh, once somebody hits about 11 months in the program, they should have secured a job by then. They should have a, a mentor in their life that are they are meeting with weekly off-site. 
uh, and they should also be securing housing off-site. And so that person is now employed, they're housed, they're meeting with a, a mentor weekly, and then they're coming back to the mission to meet with their counselors as well. And so we are, we are integrating them back into society and monitoring them for the next five months uh, that they will be and making sure that you're, you haven't relapsed. Uh, they're continuing a drug test. Um, everything that the people who are on site are doing, they're, they're continuing to do as well. But slowly, slowly, slowly extending, you know, their responsibility on site to off site and, and close monitoring that. Yeah. And that seems so important because while you're at the mission, in the program, living on site, you have a lot of structure. Yeah. There's your day is structured out. People are telling you and helping you with what you're going to be doing every day, and you're doing classes and and everything that goes with that. And then when you leave, and now you've got your own housing, and you've got a job that you have to make sure that you're getting there on time. You have to be able to schedule and structure your day by yourself, yeah. and providing that support for people as they're moving into that. So we're not making the structure. They're making the structure, but we're helping them in that process. seems like it's, it's so important and so helpful yeah. for people. And, and community. Like you, if you've listened to our prior podcast, you've heard that community is – we are huge about community. And so, yeah, you've had this community, um, a brotherhood, a sisterhood that you've been living with for 11 months. And now as you go into the workforce – you're developing a new community, but that new community might not have the same values that you have now. They might not have the same morals that you have. Uh, and, and as a result, uh, are you trying to fit in? Are you not trying to fit in? Like how, how do I integrate into that yet not compromise the recovery that I've been working so hard on? And, and I see this a lot. You know, a, a good portion of our students will go into the hospitality industry and they might be a waiter, they might be a server, um, whatever that looks like. They might even just be in the kitchen, um, you know, either uh, cooking or they might be cleaning dishes, however that looks. And that whole entire atmosphere of the hospitality industry, it revolves around alcohol. You know, that's where a lot of them mm. are making their money. And so when your coworkers at the end of the night are closing up and everybody starts taking shots, well, what do you do? And, and we see it a lot where some of our, our uh, students will, man, I, I need to come back to the program um, and do a modified version. Well, why? Well, I realized that's not the crowd I should have let deep into my life. Like I needed a different community. I, yeah. I started drinking with them and I know where that's going to lead. So uh, they come back and, and not so much because they need to overcome this, this addiction. No, no, because they need to solidify who is their community. Because that community is going to carry them through their addiction in the future, and and that's huge. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and how do we how do we help uh, students? And and really, how, how can our kind of our listeners, you know, our our Reading community, how can we help our the students and graduates to have that healthy community? Yeah. So this is something people really need to hear. Um, I, you would be amazed at the number of families that I know personally who somebody in their family is struggling with an addiction. Um, I'm willing to say it's at least 95% of the people in the families I know, somebody in their family is dealing with an addiction. And, and people in our community, you know, there's a stigma attached 
to addiction. We have to get rid of that stigma. We have to. If you look around you and you evaluate every person in your social network, every family in your social network, and you just take a list, how many of them had had somebody in their family deal with an addiction at some point? But they're afraid to talk about it because to them it's it's kind of an, a point of shame. Addiction should not ever be a point of shame. Mm. It's the number one thing that keeps people from coming into our program especially people who have graduated, relapsed, and then have to come back, bearing the shame of that is the thing that would keep them away. So we got to break away the stigma that surrounds addiction. We have to make sure we do not shame people. If somebody has a legitimate addiction, that means they cannot physically or mentally overcome that by themselves. Mm -hmm. That's what that means. Well, don't shame somebody for it, right? And so... If we first start with getting rid of the the stigma, we do not shame people, but we can embrace people in the midst of their addiction and say, hey, I'm here to help. How can I help? How can I become your community? That is huge. So people going through our recovery program, they're required to have a mentor that they meet with weekly. Wow. There is no better way for you to become involved than to come over and become a mentor. And people might be like, well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do I do? I, maybe I don't have an addiction myself, and I don't know what that's like. Cool. You don't, that's not what we're saying. That's what the counselors are for. The counselors are there to help them through that aspect. What we need is to develop a solid social network. Hey, we need you to come from your church over to the program and say, hey, I'd like to mentor someone for the next year. That means you're going to go out to coffee with them. You're going to go out to lunch with them. You're going to share life experiences, life stories. And through the process, you build such a relationship that it's like, hey, your family, you don't have any family here. Why don't you come over to our house for Thanksgiving dinner? Now you just introduce them into a brand new social network. Hey, why don't you come church with me? Now you introduced them into another part of your social network. Hey, why don't we go to a ball game together? Why don't we go to a concert together? That is life-on-life relationship. And as you do that, you are helping our students build a social network that is positive, it's healthy, it is going to help them when they have times of struggle later in life, they have a community of 20-plus people they could reach out to. That, that's what keeps somebody from relapsing, and it's what makes them successful in the overall program. So many ways you can help. In my opinion, the best thing you can do is to actually mentor somebody. Yeah. Which is just be their friend. Do a Bible study with them. Yeah. Pray with them. Whatever that looks like. Whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah, and I think what what happens is you you end up finding that you're going to have something in common. Yeah. And some similarity or similar interests. And for, it might be different for every person, but you may find out that, oh, we actually we both like the golf. So when we meet, we're not going to go to coffee because we don't want to just sit there. We're going to go to the aqua golf and we're going to hit some balls into the water. And that's a, a way that we connect. Yep. Or, or it might be you have a, an interest in, you know, you both you really like food. And so you want to like, hey, let's try out different, different taco shops throughout town. And you're going to find something that you have in common with them. And you're going to be able to bond over that. Yeah. And, and it can – I can see how – when you think about it, it, there could be some fear involved of like, sure. ooh, can I do that? And, you know, do I have what it takes? And and it's and – th- that's understandable. Yeah. That's understandable. But it's really – it's just a, hey, I'm just going to 
be there for you. I don't, I don't have yeah. to. I don't have to bring anything, any specialty. I don't have to bring any great knowledge. All that the really the important part, like you're saying, is just two people face to face seeing each other and relating as human beings. And one of, uh, I mean, one of the coolest things that I have seen in that is, you know, some people will have prejudices and or they will have biases or they will be jaded against those who have a drug addiction, you know, and, and it's that stigma they are projecting. And so I challenge them, hey, come come over, learn this person's story. I, I promise you, your life will change. And what's really cool is um, for, for a number of years, we had, uh, you know, some of our local law enforcement here who have incredible hearts of compassion. But you know what? They see the negative side of drug abuse every day. Well, how can you not become jaded, you know? And so to combat that, I had a number of our law enforcement here to say, hey, can, can we mentor someone? Because I don't want my heart to be hard. I want, I want to be able to actually help someone. And so we did. And they came in and, and they were mentoring people in our program. And, and what a, what an incredible relationship, yeah. you know? Like yeah. on one hand, you have this person who's battled drug abuse and maybe had um, different types of crimes they committed in their life and negative interactions with law enforcement. Then you had law enforcement who they deal predominantly with a lot of negative interactions on the drug and crime side. You put them together and now they're best friends, right? Because they're both seeing the humanity of each other yeah. and both of them wanting the same goal, which is, hey, I want our hearts to be aligned. Oh, man, that's beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. Well, as we, um, as we close up today, do, do you have a, a, a short story of anyone – that comes to mind who has gone through the recovery program, uh, maybe that you work with or, or just some of our other staff work with that you'd like to share? Holy smokes. Um, you know, I hope they don't mind me saying this. The one freshest on my mind is, um, it, well, I, I won't say names just in case. All right, let's um, do that. Uh, but I, I just saw I just saw two, uh, two of our um, students. They were um, in the recovery program when I was the academic director, actually. And, uh, and that, so I know them well, and um, one, one male, one female, and um, it, was, it was cool. I just saw them. They were uh, at a restaurant that my wife and kids and I were at eating, and I went and talked to them, and it was amazing. Both of them did just a great, great job through their program. After program, they both came back and volunteered. Um, what was cool, though, is, you know, we, we, have a, we have a policy. Hey, you can't fraternize in the program. You, you know, you can't be trying to hook up <laughs> with each other and— um, Immediately after graduation, both of them got married. Like, Wait a minute. Well, hold on a minute. Did this happen in program, after program? What's going on? And what's amazing is uh, I think they've both been out of program now for, gosh, I don't want to get this wrong. Let's see, maybe six, seven years mm-hmm. and, um, and married, uh, had their house built. Um, they had uh, the, the, the woman had uh, a daughter while she was in program and um, and they both had a child right, uh, you know, a year or two after uh, they got out of program. And I saw them and holy smokes, they just had their third child, you know. Mm. How amazing to be able to have two people who are recovering from an addiction, recovering from some past trauma in their lives, um, get together and live this brand new life, this heart transformation together. 
and build an amazingly beautiful family together who is not going to experience what they had to experience growing up. Yeah. And they have stopped that generational cycle of addiction together. Like, man, if we could do that with everybody, I mean, we might have to be a dating service at the same time, but that's amazing. That's beautiful. That's incredible. And that's that's what our hope is for everyone going through our program. Like you you have that brand new life. You celebrate that freedom together. And, oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening today. If you'd like to learn more about the Good News Rescue Mission's New Life Recovery Program, you can go to our website at gnrm.org. And you can learn about the recovery program. If you uh, are in need of a recovery program or you know somebody who is, um, who is currently struggling and in the midst of an addiction, um, please refer them to us. Uh, we, would, we would love to talk to you. Our, our program staff would love to just sit down and, and explain to you, you know, what it's like, what you do at the program, and share some stories of how it has helped other people. Uh, if you are interested in becoming a mentor or volunteering, again, go to our website, gnrm.org, and you can sign up to volunteer right there on the website. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, and we hope to catch you next time on the Reading's Community Podcast with Jonathan Anderson. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. To learn more about the Good News Rescue Mission, please visit our website, gnrm.org. Also, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We appreciate it, and we'll catch you in the next episode.